Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Hospitala TV. Today we are born and raised in Little Italy with Laura Donadoni, also known as the Italian wine girl. That's how you're going to find her basically on all social media. How are you doing today? Very good. We are in Little Italy, so I feel home. It's practically home base for yes, you. Yes, yes, basically yes. Um, well, we've been talking about doing this for a while and we're both pretty busy. You're much busier than I am. I feel like you're out of the country like every other uh, week. I travel a lot. You travel, travel a lot. lot. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. You are a certified professional sommelier certified wine educator, but mostly a certified journalist as well, which I'm mm -hmm. super interested to talk to you about today. Um, but tell us a little bit about, you know, for those who don't know, maybe give us a brief introduction about how you got into the world of wine, how you got yeah. into journalism. Uh, I'd love to hear that. With pleasure. So as you mentioned, my background is journalistic. So basically I was a journalist when I lived in Italy and I did that for more than 15 years before moving here. But I was like a, just, let's say, a regular reporter. So I was talking about politics, everyday news. Right. I was working for a TV magazine. In, I, I, I'm from Bergamo, so I live like 30 miles from Milan. And I was working mainly in Milan. Francia Cortaland. Francia Cortaland. So bubbles, <laughs> Italian yes. bubbles, yes. And um, yeah, so I started out as a journalist. And I always had a passion about food and wine because my family is producing wine like as a hobby is not a wine that is on the market. So I Are grew... they making sparkling wines? No, or? no. In the area of Bergamo on the hills, they produce like mainly Merlot and Cap, okay. so let's say red wines. And um, yeah, so I grew up in the vineyards with my grandpa, with my, my dad. So I That's so cool. truly enjoyed wine since the beginning. And I was also passionate about food. I like cooking. And so at a certain point of my career, career journalistic career, I said, okay, Maybe it's time to stop like telling sad news and bad news every day <laughs> and maybe I should focus my attention on something like happier. Yeah, like wine. And, like wine, <laughs> why not? So I started deepening my knowledge about wines, getting my certification, a uh, sommelier certification in Italy and then I took them uh, again in the United States once I, mo once I moved and uh, so I started to apply my skills, my communication skills to the world of wine and first as a wine reporter. So I opened my blog, my social media accounts, my YouTube channel, like spreading Italian wine culture through my media, let's say. And then I realized that uh, Italian wineries and Italian Wine Producers Association needed help to uh, communicate their wines in the U.S. market. So Italy exports a lot of wines mm -hmm. in the U.S. I think the, the, yeah, the most exported uh, wine, the most imported wines in the U.S. is Prosecco. So it's the number one uh, wow. wine in the U.S. So there is a lot to do in terms of communication around wines in the U.S. So I opened my company, which is LACOM, which is a wine agency. It's a PR and communication agency focused only on wine. So I do only work with wineries and wine producers association uh, to organize events, uh, to do wine education, uh, to build uh, communication strategies on social media, this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's why that's how I ended up here. Amazing. So you at one point had your own food and wine show though, right? Yeah, in Italy. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's like on a, on a major network, you were the host? Yeah, I was the host in Italy. What was uh, it called? It was called the Sapori Lombardi, which is uh, flavors of Lombardi 
Lombardia, because I'm from Lombardia mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was um, like going around uh, visiting wineries and restaurants and um, like finding typical products, how people were producing typical products, typical cheeses, uh, salami, prosciutto, and this kind of uh, goodies. And uh, it was the, the best time of my oh life my because God, I went like around a... like tasting wine and eating food and telling uh, like <laughs> telling this on camera, like interviewing the producer. So it was so fun. But then I have to, to left yeah. to come here with my husband because he had to move here for business. And so I started over here. Yeah. yeah. So um, you were, you've done Gambero Rosso and Vanitaly and a couple yeah. of those things. So if you don't mind, for you know those who might not be really familiar with the Gambero Rosso mm -hmm. and what that is, maybe you know, what the, the Trebichetti and what that means yeah. for a wine or winery, could you just run us through that real quick? Yes, uh, Gambero Rosso magazine in Italy is our sort of wine spectator. Sure. So getting the Trebichetti Gambero Rosso in Italy for a winery is like achieving like the 98 to 100 points on, on wine spectator. It's the most prestigious magazine we have that scores wine and also restaurants. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a big deal for the wineries. Uh, they submit the wines every year. They taste the wine blindly and usually it's a team of people tasting the wines and they assign the, the, the scores, yeah. uh, which is Trebichetti means three glasses. Right. So they have a, like a scale of three glasses, two glasses, and even in the book, in the, right. in the guide. So that's such how a, it works. Such a cutthroat yeah. system, I feel like. It's almost like three Michelin stars. Yeah. Like at least like with the 100 yeah, points. And exactly. not that I'm saying that the 100 points score is better, but you know, you get 97, 98, 99. You know, it's a really good yeah. wine still. It just didn't get the perfect score of 100. Exactly. Let's see. Three star, like with a three star, it's kind of got to be all or nothing. There's a big difference between the two and the three, I'd imagine. Yeah. Right? It's, Just like it's, the yeah, it's, it's a different, yeah, it's, it's similar to the three Michelin star mm -hmm. or the Michelin star system. And it's different from wine spectator and wine enthusiast because it's not like um, reported like as a number. So it's not like so precise as getting 98, 96, 99. It's more broaded, let's right, say, right. The, the, the option for the wineries to get scored in a, let's say, more flexible way. Right. Let's put it to, this way. And it's a big deal. And also now we have other system of scoring the wines. Now Vinital International Academy, for instance, has its own guide, which is called Five Stars Wine. I've been a judge for them in the last two years. And it's also an interesting system because there is a pool, a team of people coming from all over the world. So different palettes, also international palettes coming from the US, from China, mm. from uh, uh, Germany, from all over. So they are wine professionals, of course, sommelier, certified or wine educator. So in different fields, yeah. there are, um, for instance, uh, people who work in the wine business as a, in the, on the trades side so commercial more commercial people or more wine educators so it's different uh the approach is really different yeah that's such an it's, amazing experience yeah, i mean it, like do you run into like have you run into scenarios where like somebody's throwing out like a flavor profile or a fruit descriptor that you've never heard of yeah it some happens fruit all the that time. you've never heard of you're like what are you it talking happens about all the time because That's each of cool. us has a different background mm -hmm. a different experience of the world of the flavors of the smells totally. you have in your life so sometimes i don't know some people from japan says oh this wine smells and they tell a name of a flower that i don't even know what it is but <laughs> it reminds him 
that smell because of his uh, you know childhood maybe right. so it's it's fascinating and sometimes we have discussion in the panel when judging the wines uh, about uh, acidity or tannins or uh, since tactile sensation because each mm. of us has a different background uh, from a gastronomical point of view so we grew up eating different foods mm -hmm. so we have a different scale of uh, acidity, mm. uh, alcohol, tannins, and this kind of uh, totally. descriptors. Yep. So the score that come out from that discussion and that panel is really like reliable. I mean, it's it's really multidimensional. Mm -hmm. If if you get what I mean, yep. it's not just one person scoring that wine and say, okay, mm, I taste it. 98 right. that's it right so it's a it's uh it comes down from a discussion from a, a team uh, work right oh, that's so interesting yeah that's such a good thing to have i just was having an interesting conversation with somebody the other day about you know our tasting groups and this guy had just gone to a, to another city in the mm -hmm. states even and he was blown away by just the language that they were using i oh, mean yeah. this is even within the united states yeah. like not even a different country but just yeah. going to a different city and seeing how they were approaching some of the flavor profiles that they were using it's so interesting. It it's is. so important to get that. And it's really, you know, to me, it's really like uh, reductive or, I mean, it's really um, not easy to score a wine just with one number when you have such different, you know, face of the same uh, of the same coin to, right. to evaluate in order to to tell if a wine is good or, or not so so let's talk about that so you've done um, some writing for the Gambaro Rosso mm -hmm. you've judged several different competitions here in yeah. LA and San Francisco but could you talk about maybe some of the similarities or differences between the Gambaro Rosso some of the competitions on how they're getting scored and then something like the bigger dogs like wine spectator or wine enthusiast yeah, as, well, as I was mentioning before, uh, the wine competition works like in a similar way uh, like Gambero Rosso or the Five Star Wines competition I was mentioning before, the Vinitaly International one. So, for instance, the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, which I was uh, judging at the beginning of January, uh, works the same. We are a team mm -hmm. of judges coming from all the parts of the uh, United States, uh, from all over the United States. Mm -hmm. So we have people from the East Coast, people from North Carolina, people from Florida, and they try to build a team which is diverse. So you have maybe a European palette like mine, mm -hmm. and you have maybe a East Coast palette, or, and uh, so consequently like uh, East Coast and also uh, let's see, so different from the West Coast Palace sure. or from another state which has different food and different uh, habits around wine. Right. And so they, they try to, uh, to give the opportunity to the, the judges to confront themselves, so to uh, share opinions and to build a score which is complete as much as complete as possible. So we, we, we taste blindly, so this is the same for Gambero Rosso, for instance, or in Italy. So we just know the vintage, uh, the price point in the US. Okay. They, they tell you the price point and they don't tell you this in Italy. Uh, so, and the geographical uh, area, of mm -hmm. course. So we discuss about the wine and we assign uh, a medal so in the United States works like gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal, mm -hmm. which can be similar to tre bicchieri, due bicchieri, or no bicchieri. Right. 
which is very different from 198, 99, sure. etc. Because not only the score is different, but also usually in Wine Spectator and Wine Enthusiast is the, uh, the chief editor of that region that tastes the wine, uh, that ha uh, who has the last word on the wine. So, for instance, for Italy, uh, I don't know, Wine Spectator has his own journalist uh, who is assigned to that part of Italy, and he's always the same person who tastes the wines and has the final word in saying which is the score mm -hmm. of that particular wine. Right. So I feel like there's less uh, um, occasion to uh, confront yourself with your colleagues, and so it's more like... Uh, is less it's flexible. one person's point yeah. of view yeah. versus the average of a collective team of yeah. tasters. Yes. Very interesting. That's the, yeah. the main difference. Yeah. So that leads me to a very interesting point, right? I think if we talk about, you know, if we're kind of talking about wine scores and wine critics, um, you know, it's a very interesting conversation to be had, especially compared to what's happening now with social media. Um, like you could say some of these guys were literally the original influencers, yeah. right? I mean, this guy, like take Parker, for example. Like, yes. He's the biggest example um, from a pre-internet era, mm -hmm. like direct-to-mail magazine publication that he was doing, managed to become the leading voice in how people buy and what the price of the wine was in the market. Um, I mean, had so much around that. But what, what do you, Laura, what do you think, how did... How is that possible? How is that possible in your eyes for one person to get to have such a loud voice? Yeah, Robert Parker was the first wine influencer for sure because he started the whole thing of the scoring system. Yeah. So it comes from, from him. And it's a system that was uh, that is dated today because it's, it was back in the 70s. Yep. And I understand back at the time that people didn't have like instruments to decide which wine to buy because nobody was educated about wines. So there, there, was, there was a very little low uh, wine culture right. in the US about wine. So people were starting approaching wine as an everyday uh, beverage that usually was not till like 30 years ago. Nobody was drinking wine every day or right. thinking about having a bottle of wine every night with, with, it, with the dinner. So. At the beginning, people were kind of overwhelmed and, and confused about the amount of wine on the market and how can I decide whether this wine is good or not if I don't have any education right. about wine. So the score system like seemed to be the easiest way. So you assign a point and you, you okay, 90 point, good wine. 82 point bad wine. Right. So it, it, uh, they had a huge influence on the market at the beginning. So with the years, this uh, influence they had on the market uh, grew a lot. Mm -hmm. And today it ends up this way. So the wine spectator or uh, wine advo advocate uh, scores refers to the mainstream wines. So you can't get a score as a wine if you're not uh, widely distributed in the United States. If, you're not, if you don't have a nationwide ex uh, importer, for instance, you that's don't... A, that's, a, that's a requisite to even yes. be able to... So if you're wine just a small guy, you can't send a letter to Wine Spectator, like, hey, please come in and, 
and, and just taste our wines and see what you think? How it works for foreign wineries, because I do that for some wineries, helping them uh, to send the samples to wine spectator mm -hmm. or wine enthusiast. You contact the magazine, the, uh, the magazine asks for some information about the wine and how it's distributed in the United States. Okay. And one of the requisites for wine spectator is that it uh, is widely distributed right. across the US. Right. So if you are a small winery in Italy with uh, 10,000 bottles producing uh, per year, you're not widely distributed in the right. United States. Sometimes you don't even have an importer. In that case, uh, you don't get scored. Right. So. Uh, because they have to do a selection. I mean, they are overwhelmed by requests. I mean, they, they taste something like 16,000 wines per year. That's spectator. Yeah. That's, that's insane. So the selection they do is, okay, if the wine is widely available on the market, I will score it. If not, I won't. Right. So what happened? That people is keeping drinking the same wines. Mm -hmm. And the same wines are getting scored. And, and to get access to that system is very difficult for the wineries and for the little producers so they 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 basically are cut out of uh, the market even before starting right because then what happened importers ask to the winery oh are your wines scored and and the winery says no they're not scored because i don't have an importer or right. a distributor and they say oh i can sell your wine if you don't have a score Oh so God. it's kind well, of a yeah. circle. It's never like a new circle, but that's where you come in, right? Uh, yeah. That's one of the, I, I imagine that's one of the reasons you started the communications firm was Definitely. to be able to kind of be a spokeswoman for some of these smaller wineries that can't get a score, right? Exactly. And things are changing now mm -hmm. because if this system of the scores was working when people was not educating about wine, educated about wines, today the millennials that are, that are driving the market today, 42% of the wine purchased in the US uh, comes from the millennials. So the, it's a millennials choice. So we are really focusing on that uh, segment of the market. Mm -hmm. People uh, with age uh, till 35 years uh, age, like to, from 20 to 35 years age old uh, are driving the market now. So and they don't read wine spectator or right. wine enthusiast they right. don't buy these magazines for right. instance they they look up to the wine online right so so a big turning point right so it's yeah. this one guy who has this big voice and and it's driving the market but now everybody has a voice right there's a lot of noise out there there's a yeah. lot of bloggers there's a lot of people who call themselves wine specialists mm -hmm. you know wine influencers on instagram whether they really are or aren't, or whether they actually have a good foundation in wine, um, you know, how do you how do you tell apart the people that you think you should follow versus you know all the other guys without having to look into every you know different account and see what they're doing i don't know or are there some people yeah. that you think are doing a really good job now on social media I mean, as as you said you there is a lot of confusion now because if in the past um there wasn't like anybody scoring the wine so robert parker was the first and they were starting and they let's say the gps for the consumer were the scores and there were just a few of them now there is like overload of information, mm -hmm. overload of occasion to 
understand better that kind of wine before purchasing it. Right. So if you want to have information about, I don't know, a bottle of Franciacorta, you want to buy that, you go online and you can find a review from bloggers, you can find pictures on Instagram uh, made by influencers, you can find information about the, the winery because everybody has a website so they can give information, etc. You can find scores if the wine is scored or not. So there is a big uh, let's say basket of information and, and occasion to get informed about that wine. So, and you, your question is, how do you get to choose which is the right one? Because in this confusion, or even a lot who to of, trust, right? Who yeah, to, like what voice to trust? In this confusion, let's talk about Instagram since mm -hmm. we are both on Instagram and I'm, I have a huge uh, Instagram account. Mm -hmm. That's my main uh, social media. Yeah, on Instagram you can find wine influencer who doesn't know, doesn't have a clue about wine. Mm -hmm. So they are not educated, they are not sommelier, they don't know, even know how that wine is produced. But they post pictures of wine and wineries and they say, oh, this fabulous rosé. And, and sometimes you can find also mistakes in the caption. Sure. Like saying, I don't know, this uh, Vino Nobile di Montepulciano uh, is from Abruzzo. And we know Vino Nobile di Montepulciano is in Tuscany. So the, the, I, kind of this kind of stuff. Right, right. So how a consumer can detect if this person is to be trusted or not, you need to educate yourself. Unfortunately, in this like overload of information, you yourself, consumer, need to do some digging and to you know inform yourself about the wine world and then you can decide which critic you want to trust mm -hmm. and which of them is more reliable and which which of them is just an influencer because it's paid by wineries to stick a picture of 100%. that winery on right. their profile. Which we know is happening a lot. Yeah. Yes. So the, the, the let's say the, the line between advertising and informing mm -hmm. is very, very thin right. now. So right. that's the problem of, of the communication and the wine communication today. Right. So that's great. So now let's look at what would be some advice that you'd have if you could maybe share a couple of secrets of some of the stuff that you do. Like what are some of the best techniques or best practices for a small wine brand mm -hmm. or a small winery that's trying to come out? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they have a good product because mm -hmm. obviously the product has yeah, to be good if nobody cares. If it's a horrible wine, yeah. just forget about it. It's going to yeah. be a tough sell. Let's say you make a good product and they want to <clears throat> stand out in the sea of influencers and information that's out there, what do you recommend for a small brand? How do they succeed now these days? I would recommend them to make like... And they can't go to Wine Spectator like you're saying. They're not yeah. widely produced throughout the whole country or, or widely distributed, excuse me. How do these guys win? Yeah, the, I mean, social media is a big occasion for them. So um, in this area, also these small producers, they have uh, the opportunity to have a say in mm -hmm. the market because there are these social media and bloggers which are independent and they, they work uh, like um, independently and even if you don't have access to one spectator one enthusiast, you can have some visibility online, mm -hmm. which is something that is really important today since millennials they look online before purchasing wine. So, right. so I suggest them to narrow the choice uh, to maybe five, five to ten bloggers uh, like uh, focusing on uh, the engagement these blogs or uh, social media accounts have uh, online what are a couple of your favorites uh, in the US yeah 
you mean? Oh, there are there like are for few bloggers, uh, bloggers. Should, uh -huh. Oh, one of my favorite is the fermented fruit. Okay, the fermented fruit. Which is fruit? Ryan, uh, a friend of mine. He lives in uh, Washington D.C., I believe, and he. I like him because he's very knowledgeable about wines, mm -hmm. but he's a consumer. I mean, he's not. Uh, a wine educator is not uh, like working in the wine business. He had a totally different background, but he informed himself, uh, educate himself a lot okay. about wines before starting writing. Mm -hmm. And he writes very accurate description of wine. What you have to look at is that if this blogger or influencer knows his or her stuff, so you look at the caption, you look at the articles they publish, and you see how accurate they are, how the descriptors are. So you, as a wine producer, you know if you try to reach out to this person, your wine will be for sure evaluated in a, let's say, right and fair way, mm -hmm. instead of just like being like posted with a, maybe a wrong caption and miscommunication. So right. first, cho choose the persons and the bloggers and the influencer. And then uh, you can have an agency or you can do it yourself. You mm -hmm. can reach out to them and try to understand if they will be interested in tasting your wines mm -hmm. or trying to invite them to some of your tastings or send them information about the wine. So they probably receive a lot of requests, but if it, they're really curious about wine, if they're really, they're really focusing about educating and informing about wines, they will at least look at them and, and they will at least like consider them. Yeah. So not just for money, but for curiosity. So Laura, what would be some, maybe some best practices that you would like to see in some of these emerging wine influencers? I would like to see like more informed people. So I would like to, the wine influencer to be like more informative than let's say focusing only on the aesthetic point of view, like posting a beautiful picture, mm -hmm. but with a, meaningless caption for instance mm -hmm. so in that way you're not informing you're just like showing a beautiful bottle of wine and saying yay i love it so it doesn't add anything to you know to the people who is following you right so i would like to see like more authentic people more real profile uh, there are a lot of uh, profile also that repost pictures mm -hmm. of other profile and this is something i don't understand because you know i have a journalistic background so I, uh, everything i post uh, is because I've seen it with my eyes. Mm -hmm. I took a picture and I share it with people, or I tasted and I share it with people. So it's kind, it's coming out from my real experience to the social media to the people. So that's for me what a social media uh, community it needs to be like. Right. But I see a lot of you know marketing uh, profile. I just reposting beautiful picture and dreaming places and wineries and and fancy situation which are fake. But I don't know. I know they have a lot of followers. Mm -hmm. But I I would say if you want to be an one influencer, don't focus on followers. Focus on the engagement. So focus on how many authentic comments you have under your pictures, mm -hmm. how many people like contact you asking more about what you posted. Right. So even if they are a few, they're real, they are authentic. So that's, you, you made that, uh, a change in, in the life of that person, right. which maybe now is tasting a new wine and is daring to drink something different right. because they read it on your profile so that that's your job, right? I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're doing every day. <laughs> yeah, we're trying right? to get people to try new yeah. different things and give them an educated call. If they like something, steer them in a different direction that they might, you know, something that they might be happy with. So yeah. that's what brings me the most joy here on a daily basis. 
exactly. is being able to do that. So yeah. I think social media should be that platform to be able to do it on a larger scale. Right. right. This curiosity about life, about wine. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, our fuel. Yes. So I know you have to get out of here. Uh, I want to finish up with something though. I've been seeing you've been writing in a gratitude journal on yeah. your IG stories. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it's one of the practices I do. I have a self-love practice, mm -hmm. uh, how people now call them just to look fancy, but it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, to me, it's a way to pray. I mean, I'm Catholic. I have a faith in God and be grateful every day is part of my daily prayers. So keeping track of what I'm grateful for every day. And it involves wines all the time because maybe <laughs> I had a, you know, a new uh, glass, a new wine and it was amazing and I didn't even know it existed. So I, I discovered a new grape or this kind of stuff always is in my gratitude journal mm -hmm. because you know, life is a, a discovery every day, and even the small things that makes you smile for a while are worth it to be remembered. So that's I love why that. I keep a I love that. Yeah, me, the mental the mental game is such a big part of everything that it we is. do. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you yeah. so much for your time. I appreciate you taking the time thank to do this. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a lovely chat. Oh, it's a pleasure. And guys, once again, you can find Laura online at the Italian Wine Girl. Exactly on YouTube, make sure you go there. On Instagram, yeah. you gotta follow her. She's super active. She posts a lot of things on her Instagram stories almost every day. You can follow her travels all throughout Italy. Um, I yeah. highly recommend you do that. Last but not least, do not forget to follow Hospitality TV. We're on yeah, Facebook, you. YouTube. Please follow us. We're now on iTunes Podcast. We're on Spotify. Just look up Hospitality TV uh, and give us a follow. Tell us what you think. Thank you so much. Thank you.